Man, you're getting killed out there. <sighs> Tell me about it. I feel like Rocky after 15 rounds with Apollo Creed. Speaking of Rocky, did you know that Sylvester Stallone wrote the first draft of the movie in only three days? Did you know that Sylvester Stallone permanently flattened out his knuckles from punching the side of beef? What about Burgess Meredith? He had lived his line in the audition, which landed him the role of Mickey. Or that a destitute Sylvester Stallone turned down $350,000 because the studio didn't want him starring in it? Well, you can find this out and much, much more by listening to Rocky Minute, the fan podcast that covers the Rocky movies one minute at a time. You can find us on DuelingGenre.com. Now get back out there and knock this bum out. Dueling Genre. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Lucky Day. And I'm Dusty Bottoms. And I'm Ned Needlander. And together we are the The Three three Amigos. Amigos. I don't know if we quite hit that, but hopefully it's a little... A little tip to the audience of what we're going to be discussing today. Uh, in reality, I am Joe Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And producer, and producer Andrew, Andrew is going to be jumping in <laughs> on this discussion. Because today we are talking about The Three Amigos, the classic 1986 film. So, Todd, we are in our final countdown until episode number 200 when you'll be riding off into the sunset and as part of that you are choosing some of your favorite titles uh movies novels for us to discuss that we haven't gotten to in our first 200 episodes uh so that we make sure we cover them so why is three amigos one of your last picks for a film it's a great comedy um and i've loved it since i was a kid i've seen it lots and lots of times although (laughs) I was realizing today again, um, just remembering that I we had the the TV edited, taped off the TV version. <laughs> um, so there were some surprising moments for me <laughs> as I was watching. It. You thought you knew this, this very around. well. I thought I knew this very well. No, it's just a it's a classic <laughs> film. It's it's in it, unendingly uh, quotable, and uh, and I'm happy to talk about it. Somehow, as a child of the 80s, this came out in 86. Todd, you and I were both born in 82, right? Or Yeah. I was born in 81. You were 81. I'm much older than you are. (laughs) I think you have, what, three weeks on me? Is that accurate? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Uh, And and so this would have been part of that wallpaper of the childhood things. But for for some reason, this was not something I really was familiar with. I think we watched it once on a cross country a bus to a cross country race in california i hmm. think uh and that was probably the only time i saw it and then when we were roommates one time uh we were at a store and i was buying some dvds and you're like this one's really good and i bought it <laughs> and it was three really? videos and we watched it uh yeah as roommates and then it's mostly been in my dvd collection i haven't pulled it out very uh, you know the older you get the harder it is to go and rewatch things particularly with the constant wave of new media that is just begging to be consumed yes my dvd shelf is not as actively uh you know uh used as as i thought it would be and so this was probably the third time i've seen the film was in preparation for this but despite that, that baffles me was it part of your childhood more andrew i feel like like it was watched some in our home and i thought that you were the one who introduced it 
No, no, it was so not. So maybe, maybe it had transitioned through Alex or something, or, or the brother that's between the two of us. Um, uh, but yeah, I, uh, it's funny. I don't, I don't get me wrong. I and as you said, endlessly quotable. I recognize quotes from it that I didn't know were from it <laughs> when when I watch it. Um, the, up here, up here. So, um, and so it's it wasn't by choice that it was omitted. I just never really was part of my uh, you know my my nineteen eighties childhood, but. It is very funny. And for any listeners who aren't familiar, <laughs> The Three Amigos is a 1986 comedy written by Steve Martin, Lauren Michaels, and Randy Newman. It was directed by John Landis and stars Steve Martin as Lucky Day, Chevy Chase as Dusty Bottoms, and Martin Short as Ned Niederlander. And it tells the story of a group of silent film stars who kind of make these adventure Western films, uh, Who, but imagine they're dressed up like mariachi bands. Um, <laughs> but, <okay. laughs> they are... They are mistaken for actual heroes and end up trying to save a Mexican village from a group of banditos. It's a Bug's Life. Which yeah, is, Bugs is so, which is Seven Samurai. Yeah, Bug's Life is the Three Amigos, which is the Seven Samurai. Oh, it's also is, Galaxy Quest. No, which is a uh, 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 oh my gosh, uh, Magnificent the Seven is Magnificent Seven, Seven, which is yes, Seven, Seven Samurai. <laughs> yeah, this is right. a story so, that gets told a lot. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's I think that like good the, model. the best genealogy would be Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven, Magnificent Seven, Three Amigos, Three Bugs Amigos, Life. Bugs Life. Yeah, yeah. And Galaxy where Quest. does Galaxy Quest fit in there? Was that pre or before? That's uh, after or Bugs, Life, Bugs Life. Thing. So Bugs Life, Galaxy Quest. Yeah, but those are, and, those uh, two are probably pretty close Thunder, together. Another one yeah. fits in. Uh, as and I found out, recent this is Magnificent Seven. seven. Yes. Well, let's just go ahead and say, as one of the things that I had for the trivia, John Landis, the um, uh, the director, he, in some interviews, he's a bit defensive about what he says are other movies that have stolen his premise. So <laughs> he specifically says A Bug's Life and Galaxy Quest and Tropic Thunder. But I was going to say in the trivia, it's worth noting, this is just a comedic version of The Magnificent Seven, which was a version of The Seven Samurai and right. maybe with a mistaken identity twist within it. Um, yeah, I think... That's really the the trick that it has and and probably did before other ones did it is saying, okay, seven samurai, but instead of getting competent heroes to like come save the day, it's people they think are heroes and it's really actors. So like they I mean which is a yeah. that that is a good twist to add to it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the and a bug's life and Galaxy Quest and Tropic Thunder all do that as well. Yeah. Um, so so they that, are that particular thing. Yeah, they are copying it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, some other trivia that I had about this: uh, Steve Martin he does some rope tricks in the film, and he learned those while working at Disneyland's Frontierland when he was a teenager. I was wondering when he, how he learned that. Like, if he had, if he thought, I, I have to learn this because I'm in this movie. But th- that's so much better. Yes, <laughs> that definitely sounds like a Steve Martin. Like that was his life. <laughs> Yeah, he was, a, he was a cast member at Disneyland and uh, Frontierland particularly. So he had some rope tricks that he could pull out for this. Uh, I mentioned that Randy Newman, the famous songwriter, uh, co-wrote this film. And it is his only screenwriting credit. Um, and he wrote the song My Little Buttercup for this film. Oh, <laughs> he did? Yes. As well I as all the other songs. like a song. I did too. Before. And like I went and I checked, and everything I found online said no. He wrote it for this. <laughs> like, like I thought it was just oh, Todd, I'm having a flashback all of a sudden to cross country. <laughs> to a singing this song, 
where we oh had to my sing gosh. My Little Buttercup. I'd forgotten that we had to sing My Little Buttercup so as a cross-country team yeah, to a school assembly. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought, I, similarly to you, Andrew, I thought this was an existing song they just borrowed, but apparently it was written for this as well as all the other songs in the film Randy Newman wrote. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, this was Martin Short's first movie. <laughs> just what? Wow. Yeah, throwing this out there. He had been on uh, like comedy troops, and I think he'd been on Saturday Night Live some. Not, I don't think he was a full cast member yet on Saturday Night mm-hmm. Live, but this is his first film role. Um, <laughs> in this film, and we haven't done long the long summary, so spoiler if you've never watched Three Amigos, there's <laughs> a singing bush <laughs> <laughs> in, in the film, and that is Randy Newman singing. As oh, the singing that bush. is so awesome. <laughs> So imagine that deep, wonderful voice that does the songs in Toy Story being a ridiculous singing bush. And there you go. They did do some sound altering, though. So it was. Yeah, run it's, through it's a some, higher pitch. Yeah, it was run through some stuff. <laughs> um, this film was being kicked around for a while in the early 80s. Steven Spielberg at one point was considered to direct it. But then he ended up making E.T. You may have heard of that wow. one. Uh, and... <laughs> Um, Lorne Michaels is one of the writers on this film. And if you don't know that name, he was the creator and is still the showrunner for Saturday Night Live. So the one of the longest running shows in television history that is entirely his baby from pretty much mm. beginning to end. Um, and alternative casting options that were considered are a who's who of SNL cast members of the era. era. So for a while it was talked about Bill Murray, Robin Williams, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, and Rick Moranis were all considered. Uh, Robin Williams was never an SNL cast member, but he first hosted the show in 1984 and recurred a couple wow. times in this period. So you could definitely feel Lord Michael's fingerprints on some parts of this. Um, <laughs> and even though he is a uh, producer on most of the SNL spinoff movies that have been done through the years, Coneheads, McGruber and all those, a lot of those feel a lot more sketch oriented than this one. I think this is one of the more um, uh, polished, like, polished, just <laughs> like as a film film and not. Yeah. Like, it it stands on its of, own of, of an SNL sketch, which a lot of the other SNL films tend to be. Um, uh, John Landis is, was the director, but his 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 director's cut of the film ended up being redone some by the studio because uh, he couldn't be there. He was on trial for a tragedy on the film set of Twilight Zone that he was directing as well. And there was a helicopter crash that killed two child actors Gosh. and one actor. Um, and he was on trial for manslaughter. And so the studio just kind of took over the final cut of the film that ended up being released. And we don't know what was changed. Um, there was an entire subplot that had Fran Drescher playing a starlet in the studio <laughs> system that, that was, was cut. Um, in the end, he was not found guilty of manslaughter um, for that. It was just a terrible accident is what was ruled wow. um, for the twilight zone film tragedy. Um, the film three amigos, it was not a hit uh, when it came out. It only scored 46% on rotten tomato. Like now that we aggregate it on rotten tomatoes, it's 46% as they've, gathered the the reviews from the era um and it made about 40 million dollars at the box office but it had a budget of 25 million so it made money but it wasn't a hit uh but it has certainly become kind of a cult cult classic that has outlived um the the like pop culture resonance of a lot of other films that made more money (laughs) at, at the time um it's always interesting to me these situations where you know the there are films that could be like the number one film for weeks on end that kind of end up being forgotten and no one talks about them ever again. And then ones that 
kind of come and go and aren't beloved by critics and don't make a ton of money, but are quoted endlessly, as you said, Todd, um, and still retain a lot of pop culture status. And even just Googling it um, for trivia, there are so many like, uh, you know, 20, 25th anniversary, you know, we're going to, or, or 20th anniversary, we're going to talk about it. Um, articles on the inter- internet um, and like listicles of trivia about it. It seems to still retain um, a lot of love from the online community. This is one of those films that I think fuels the concept some people have of the Oscars should stop and then come back in 10 years and do this year's Oscars <laughs> 10 years from now to well, see yeah. like which I things this really film. matter. But I don't think this would be in consideration. Well, no, for the best, no the best but, um, but you know, but, but yeah, there are type of we, concept where really when things come out, we don't know what they're going to mean. Yes, and and sometimes even just five years of hindsight, let you say which films mattered most for you know for that year, and the Oscars sometimes seem to swing and miss at <laughs> declaring the best picture of a certain year, even to the point okay, where like so- Oscar voters look back and say, "Hmm." Uh, the last bit of trivia, Todd. Though um, I was just going to say. Uh, Bravo, the network, at some point they did a special about the 100 funniest movies ever made. And Three Amigos was number 77 on that list. That's low. Should yeah, that seems, that seems low for that. Um, so 1986, for the 1986 uh, Oscars, this is what it would have been up against. Crocodile <laughs> Dundee, <laughs> Aliens, Platoon, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Top Gun, The Mission, The Fly, Nine and a Half Weeks, and big trouble in little China. <laughs> so are those like, where, where are you finding that list of top films for 86? I just, I just Googled films released in 1986. And those were the top results. Yeah. Oh, the Karate Kid Part 2, Rodney Dangerfield, <laughs> Blue Velvet, Pretty in Pink, Short Circuit. Ooh. Little Shop of Horrors, Labyrinth. Man, 1986 had some gold mines. Yeah. Not the best Karate Kid film, though. No, but uh, Labyrinth. Yeah. Labyrinth is great. It is. We we'll have to get to that sometime. The Mission. Have you back on? That's a good one. Yeah. I would guess okay. the Mission would be what would win now if people looked back at 1986. Probably for best for best picture. Yeah, it's a pretty good movie. All right. Before we get to your summary, Todd, we want to thank the listeners for joining us and listening to this very episode. And we would especially like to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least $8 per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we talk about recent media we've consumed, newly released films, and we also give monthly updates on our fantasy box office, which I, I still don't understand what's happening right now. And all patrons <laughs> who support Support us with $5 per month or more. Get to choose a topic for us to discuss. Now, Todd, do you have a long summary of Three Amigos for us? I do. So this film begins with uh, Lucky Day, played by Steve Martin, Dusty Bottoms, played by Chevy Chase, and Ned Needlander, played by Martin Short. And they're riding on three white horses, and they're wearing these amazing, glorious mariachi-style suits. And they're singing this Three Amigos song. And then uh, that's just sort of the opening. All right. And, uh, <laughs> I do have to say, right away, there's some weird things about the world that this film lives in. <laughs> like that Why? they can hold this super high note for <laughs> forever. Like, well, way too long. I was going to say, why are they singing when they're silent film stars? <laughs> <what I> was 
Well, I feel like somehow the film is saying like, okay, we're in like a double world of the film. Where like, a lot of worlds. I feel, like, the, the I feel like they have a theater background. Yeah. Awesome. They, they they started as a minstrel show. And yeah. Transitioned. I kind of get the I kind of get that that vibe from them. Okay. Okay. So now we're in Mexico. It's 1916, and a young Mexican woman named Carmen and this little boy called Rodrigo they go into a tavern looking for gunmen who will help them fight a bad guy called El Guapo who is harassing their village of Santo Poco. Uh, one cowboy offers to help her in return for <clears throat> favors, and she refuses, and they kick her out. And then Rodrigo says, those men are no better than El Guapo. And she says, don't worry, the, ho- the Holy Mother will help us. And then the church bells ring uh, because they're showing a movie. And the movie is The Three Amigos. So they go to the church to watch this movie. And it's, it's a silent, fu- m- silent film. And it's the story of these three handsome men who are Lucky Day, Dusty Bottoms, and Ned Nylander. Uh, and they save a poor Mexican village from some terrible bandidos. And they do it in style. And the Grateful Villagers offer them 100,000 pesos. But the Amigos say that their reward is that justice has been done. And then Lucky gets a pretty chaste kiss from the prettiest girl in town. And they all give the Amigos salute. So Carmen and Rodrigo send a telegram to the Amigos inviting them to come to stop the evil villainous murderous El Guapo. But they don't have enough money to send the full telegram. So the postman simplifies the message, eliminating the adjectives and putting instead the word infamous. So now we're in Hollywood, and the amigos dressed in uh, fancy clothes, fancy like <laughs> street clothes, are talking to their producer. And it turns out that they used to be really popular, uh, but now they've strayed from the formula. So the producer wants them to go back to their roots, and he wants them to go to Baja and make this movie so that they can make a bunch of money in the box office. Uh, but the amigos say they want more money. They're demanding more money. And then the producer gets furious. His name is Mr. Flugelman. And uh, he kicks them out of the studio mansion, and they take their clothes, and the three amigos are history, and they get kicked out in onto the street, literally in their underwear. So just then, a telegram shows up, and uh, they're flattered that that somebody has written to them from Mexico, and uh, the, sh- the 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 they read out loud the telegram, and the end of the telegram says, "Put on show, stop the infamous El Guapo." But I mean, it should say "put on a show" to stop the infamous El Gu- the infamous El Guapo. But it's read "put on show, stop the infamous El Guapo." So <laughs> they say "infamous." What's that? And then Nel- Ned tells them "infamous" means more than famous. So they decide to take this job because this is El Guapo. He's probably the biggest me- movie star to ever come out of Mexico, and uh, they're going to go down and make a film with him. Because that's obviously what this telegram is asking them for. So they don't have their Amigo costumes. So they have to break into the studio. There's this amazing uh, set piece where Steve Martin is on top of a wall. Uh, he <laughs> snuck in in his underwear. And, uh, and he's trying to get the attention of, um, of Dusty and Ned. And so he starts by like, <laughs> right? <laughs> and they're just not catching it. They are not catching it. And he becomes... Oh, yeah. Look up here, look up here, look up here. Hey! And then in the end, he just goes, hey, you guys! And he's like five feet above them. Like, it's the, it's the shortest wall. So good. Um. Anyway, they finally, they get their uniforms, and they head out, and they're, they're heroes. It's just like hero shot after hero shot of these guys. They're, they're amazing. 
uh, back in Mexico, a German German pilot walks into that same tavern where Carmen had walked in earlier, and he tells the bartender that he's looking for El Guapo. And the the that same guy that had bothered Carmen earlier, he starts to heckle the German because he's wearing like um, like pilot's clothes. Yeah, he's wearing pilot's clothes, so he's wearing like shirt and tie and this leather uh, he's, jacket he's with a not with very a westerny belt around the waist, and he's got his his uh, his pilot hat on. Um, so he starts heckling the German guy and the German tells the bartender, he says, I have some friends coming and you need to tell them to wait here. And then the bartender says, how will I know, uh, that they're your friends? And he says, Oh, you will certainly know them. And then he turns around and he draws his six shooter and he shoots up a bunch of the, of the guys in the, in the bar, including that, uh, horrible cowboy guy. And then he tells everybody that's still alive in the bar. He says, uh, I hope you show my friends more courtesy than you have shown to me because they aren't as kind-hearted as I am. And then he leaves just as the Amigos ride into town on the stagecoach. Uh, and the tavern is just cleaning up when the Amigos walk into the tavern. And the men all think that the Amigos are must be the Germans' friends because he said, you'll know them when you see them. And here they come with their shiny mariachi suits. Um, and so everyone is terrified. And, uh, well, and, Dusty, and they've got like their spurs clacking and everyone's looking at their guns. <laughs> so Dusty tells the bartender he's looking for the best hotel in town. The bartender tells him there is no hotel in this town. And then Ned tells, Ned says, I could kill someone. And everyone's like, <gasps> <laughs> all worried. And then the bartender says, uh, are you the, and then he winks at them and they're like, Oh yes. Right. So he's, <laughs> he's asking if they're the Germans friends They're They, they just assume that everybody thinks they're these big movie stars, which they are. And then he says, the German says to wait here. Uh, and so they're like, well, okay. So then they have a swallow of tequila and then everybody's really, everybody's uptight. Cause uh, I mean, every, you know, they're all nervous that these guys are going to, lose it and start shooting shooting the place up so dusty or lucky tells dusty to go over to the piano and uh, dusty says oh you know I, I, I don't know it's been so long but he immediately goes over to the piano because he wants to play and uh and he starts to play this song and lucky and ned sing this amazing song called my little buttercup and it's complete with these amazing like cheesy dance moves and none of the guys all these like hard hard looking mexican bandito looking guys none of them can figure out what is going on but they're all so terrified that they 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 end up like doing the audience particip- participation parts um Smile. it's just it's just amazing and then the amigos leave the tavern they're like well that was a pretty good show and then they leave and then uh just as they leave the Germans real friends walk in and somebody says hey look at those little sissies and then they pull out their guns and they practically kill everybody in the in the in the in the tavern the, the high comedy of wanton violence yes it's uh, totally bloodless and um yes. anyway so so then rodrigo spots the amigos and he calls carmen and they take them to santa poco um she's riding on a donkey and the three all three amigos are riding on one mule <laughs> So Santa Poco is this very tiny Mexican village. Everyone is sad. And a little boy, as soon as they walk right in, this little boy called um, Pablo, he he runs up to Dusty and he says, can I have your watch when you are dead? <laughs> um, the people feed them this meal and uh, and <laughs> they're eating the meal. <laughs> Dusty says, sorry, Dusty says, 
do you have anything besides Mexican food? <laughs> Which is one of my favorite lines. I've used that line so many times <laughs> in my life. <laughs> when you're married to a Mexican woman, uh, you find lots of occasions to use that line on Sunday. Um, so that night, uh, Dusty asks what the plan is. They're all laying in this bed. The three of them are lay- laying together in this in this one small bed. Uh, Lucky says, Rodrigo was kind of hazy on the details, but it sounds that they're just going to do what they did in their movie called Shooting for Love. And then Dusty asks Lucky what he's going to do with the money. And uh, Lucky says he wants to buy a big, shiny car and drive it by the movie studio and mis- make Mr. Flugelman really jealous. And then he asks Dusty what he wants to do with the money. And Dusty says he wants to travel around the world and and uh, and then they ask Ned what he wants to do, and he makes it awkward by saying he wants to open a home for orphan children. <laughs> and then they all say, "Well, that's of course that's what I was gonna. Do. I mean, I was gonna do that first, and then buy the shiny car afterwards." <laughs> it's uh, like uh, sometimes when I, when I take role in my classes in college, I always have a question of the day. So instead of here, they have to call out like their favorite movie or something like that mm-hmm. when i read your favorite book like partway through someone's like the bible and everyone else is like oh <laughs> <laughs> that's what this felt like okay the next morning three banditos decide to raid the village carmen runs and tells the amigos that el guapo is on his way the amigos are frustrated that they don't get a rehearsal but they go out and put on a show anyway you know they're just uh just big smile relax have fun with it it'll be fine uh they announce themselves they do a little dance uh, like a like a minstrel dance and then they jump on their horses and they ride in a circle and they shoot their guns into the air and the banditos are totally confused and they ride away to tell el guapo and they feel pretty good about things uh the amigos they feel pretty good about things even though ned forgot a line the villagers all cheer viva los amigos and then uh, ned says i've been in this situation before we should ask for the money now uh, the banditos tell el guapo uh, about what they saw and he says that they're all going to go together and kill the amigos so that night, there's a huge party in Santa Poco, and there's dancing and fireworks, and Dusty does some amazing, crazy singing, <laughs> playing his guitar. <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty fantastic. And then this beautiful woman offers to let Dusty kiss her on the veranda, and he says the lips would just be fine, would be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dumb joke. Uh, what do you mean it's a dumb joke? It's a great joke. Uh, so the next morning, the, ami- the Amigos wake up. Oh, those are not mutually exclusive terms. <laughs> okay, so the next morning, the Amigos wake up. They're hungover. And Carmen comes to tell them that El Guapo is there with all of his men. And, uh, and the Amigos ride out to meet them. They engage in some movie trash talking. And then they pull out their guns and they start shooting in the air and riding in a circle. And El Guapo laughs. He he says, "These I like these guys. These are funny guys." And then he tells his 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 man. Uh, he's called Jefe. He tells Jefe to uh, just kill one of them. So he shoots Lucky, who falls off his horse. And then the others come and they pick him up. And he's he's dusting off his arm. And then he sees he sees blood on his arm. And he says, "Oh, great, real bullets!" Uh, and he's furious. And he he walks up. Uh, to to Hefe, and he demands to see his gun. Um, and then he he takes the bullet. He says, "I'll be keeping this. You're in a lot of trouble, Mister." And then and then it sort of dawns on him that this is all real. And then like, he goes back to the others and he says, uh, "It's real. It's real. These guys are going to kill us." 
And then they all start crying like babies. And uh, and Lucky goes back. He says, I'll talk to him man to man. And he says, uh, we're very sorry. And we're actors. We're movie stars. And we'd like to go home now. And El Guapo says, El Guapo does not kill. No, what does he say? El Guapo uh, d- doesn't kill. He won't kill you. We on- I only kill men, not crying women. <laughs> and they're like, oh, thank you so much. And, uh, and so they get on their horses and they ride out of town. And El Guapo turns his men loose on the town and they burn the village. And El Guapo takes Carmen away. So later the amigos ride back into town to get their stuff. And uh, the people are cleaning up after after the, the destruction. And uh, they tell the amigos that Carmen is gone and that all their stuff is gone. And, uh, and Dusty and Lucky are ready to go back, but Ned refuses to go. And he loads his gun with real bullets and he draws a line in the sand and he offers them a challenge. He says, we could be, if we stay here, we could be the three amigos for real. And so then Lucky joins him. And then Dusty nearly shoots himself in the foot in the process of also joining him. And then they go, they give the Amigo salute and they ride out of town. That night, (laughs) now things start getting weird. So that night they sit around a fire and they eat bat. Um, And then Ned, and then Ned reads the instructions uh, that the, the, the people, the town people gave him to find El Guapo. It says, we need to ride into the desert until we find the singing bush. And then we need to give the magic chant and fire in the air and summon the invisible swordsman and he will show us the way to El Guapo. And then uh, Dusty and Lucky uh, sing a song to calm Ned because he's feeling nervous. And and what, when they're singing the chorus of this song, the horses suddenly just burst into song and they start singing bomba, 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 bomba. And it's, it's just glorious. <laughs> it's amazing. And then uh, they, they finish their song. Oh, the owl is kind of dancing. Um, and they finish their song. And then um, they, they're all saying goodnight to each other. And then the tortoise says, goodnight, Ned, just out of the blue. <laughs> so the next day, they have this scorching ride through the desert. And the sun's baking down on them. They're sweating like crazy. Uh, Lucky drinks the very last drop from his canteen. And Ned goes to take a drink out of his canteen. It's full of dirt. And it just pours dirt into his mouth and all over his face. It's really, he's really committed to that. And then Dusty pulls out his canteen and he drinks just a ridiculous amount of water, like pouring all over his face. And then he gargles and spits out. And then he just chucks his fan, his full canteen on the ground and they watch all the water pour out onto the, onto the desert desert ground and then uh and then, and then dusty pulls out a little a little canister of uh lip balm and he starts putting it on his lips and then he looks at the other guys and he and he says lip balm like uh, offering it to them uh it's pretty great all right hun, i gotta pause this for a second <laughs> there was one other bit of trivia that i found and it was for this scene or I'm pretty sure it must have been this scene because uh, Landis, the director, said that there was one scene when they were out in the desert and there was a little comedy bit that Chevy was supposed to do. And then he just had to say one line and he didn't want to do it. <laughs> he said, my character would have to be a moron to do this. And Landis thought, your character's named Dusty Bottoms. <laughs> and what film do you think we've been making? <laughs> but then he, instead of saying that out loud, he said, I just said, um, fine, I'll give it to Steve because it's going to get a great laugh. And then Jimmy said, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> and it must have been this bit with the water. Because <laughs> he does all the stuff and then just I says love- lip balm. Yep, 
Limbo? Yes. I just love the idea. Like, your character's name is Dusty Bottoms. What film do you think we've been making where your character is really? not a moron? Well, there's that great line when he says, I guess we'll just have to use our brains. And they're like, dang it. <laughs> or when uh, one of the uh, the townspeople says, like, I like the, the one that's not too oh, smart. Oh, yeah. And it's the girl. Like, mm. All the girls are together and says, which one do you like? And she says, I like the one that isn't very smart. And they look at each other like, which one is that one? <laughs> Okay, so the so the amigos come up on a bush and it is singing. It, it's just a bush, and like a couple of the a couple of the branches are swinging back and forth like about arm height, and and it's singing like um she'll be she'll coming around the mountain and blow the man down, and, and it just keeps and doing they say, it nonstop. Excuse me, are you the singing bush? <laughs> and they keep asking it over and over again, and then finally. Uh, Lucky says, forget it. My guess is this is the singing bush. So then they, they have to give their chance. Uh, so Ned gives this uh, his chant. Um, chip, 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 nanny. And then he fires in the air. And then Lucky gives his, and he fires in the air. And then Dusty gives his chant. But instead of firing the air, he fires off to the side, and he shoots and kills the invisible swordsman. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who does not appear? The invisible Superman r- remains invisible right. yeah. this entire time. So <laughs> he's, they just make like a, a big little puff of dust. Yeah, he's a little divot. A he's, a little bit, he's a little divot in the sand, a little indentation in the sand. It's so good. And then I just don't know then, how they did that. It's amazing. Just then they see the Germans' plane fly overhead, and they assume that he must be heading to El Guapo's, and so they decide to follow it. And back at El Guapo's, it's his birthday, uh, and he uh, Jefe is excited about all the presents and piñatas that they're going to give to El Guapo. And then the German shows up with a shipment of guns, and the Amigos at this time, they're outside kind of scouting the fort. It's going to be tough to get in. Unfortunately, it, it looks like they're going to have to use their brains. Uh, El Guapo is excited about the shipment of guns. He invites the German to his party. Uh, the amigos knock out a guard and climb uh, one of the outer walls into the compound, and then Dusty swings on a rope and uh, and he ends up he he, yeah, he goes through some doors and into Carmen's room. Uh, Ned swings and he gets his heels with the spurs that are on his heels. They stick into a pinata, and so he's just like suspended horizontally. <laughs> Over the top of the party, just kind of stuck there. He's still holding onto the rope. Yeah, his, his hands are holding onto the rope, and his feet are stuck in a pinata, and nobody sees him, so he's just hanging out up there. And then Lucky uh, swings on his rope, and he just face plants right into the middle of the of the party. And then he stands up and says, "Seize him!" <laughs> and then uh, Lucky says, "I have three demands. First, that you leave the 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 village of Santa Poco alone." Uh, second, that a that a new government be established with three separate but equal branches, <laughs> and and third, that the that Carmen be uh, returned to her to her family unharmed. Um, El Guapo uh, decides to throw him in a dungeon. So um, Dusty now is in Carmen's room, and he says, "You know, we're here to help you escape." And she says, "What's the plan?" And he says, "Honestly, we didn't we didn't really make a plan uh, after." getting in because we weren't sure that we would make it this far. And then he says, sometimes you can overplan these things. <laughs> so they, they go out of the room. There's a guard that's asleep and dusty. He, he wants to knock him out like with the butt of his pistol, but he can't. So Carmen just grabs the gun and knocks him out. And then, uh, and then dusty dresses in the guards clothes. Um, so the, then some other, uh, banditos, they leave dusty or lucky in a, in a cell and he's chained it, it, in this dungeon. He's chained to a wall 
and they leave the keys on the floor on the other side of a cell. And it turns out that his chains are tied to weights. So if he pulls really hard, I don't understand. I don't understand this at all. <laughs> it, it makes no, no sense. But it's hilarious. <laughs> if he pulls really hard. Which is a great description of so much of this film. It makes no sense, but it's hilarious. <laughs> if he pulls really hard, then he can like walk across his um, his cell. And, a little bit and, at a time. A little bit at a time. And uh, we see him fail a bunch of times. And, and if he fails, then the weights fall down and he just he gets hurled back to the wall. Um, and it's very funny. Um, so El Guapo's men give him a sweater for his birthday. And he's very happy about this. And this leads to one of my favorite uh, Christmas things of all time is um, every year when people are uh, opening Christmas presents, I always hope that someone gets a sweater because then you can always shout, it's a sweater! Uh, <laughs> so uh, so then El Guapo is so so pleased with his men because they've given him a sweater. Uh, and he says, I know my men like I know my own smell. Uh, so he goes around and he's, he's, uh, he's greeting them and he's saying all the great things that they've done together and he comes to Dusty and, uh, and it's obvious that Dusty doesn't fit in. <laughs> He says, together we prune the hedges of many small villages. And, uh, and El Guapo says, uh, yeah, he, he realizes that, that Dusty doesn't fit in. So, um, so he, says, he says, what is happening here? Are amigos falling from the sky? And then just then, Ned falls from the sky. <laughs> and, uh, and they're about to take them all away. But then the German recognizes Ned. And he says, Ned is like a god to him. He inspired him to learn the art of the quick draw. But then he was really disappointed when he found out about, um, about trick photography. And Ned says, I never use trick photography. I really am as fast as you see me in the movies. Uh, so then the German challenges him to a duel. And then Ned says, okay. Um, does anybody have a stop a, a watch, preferably one with a second hand? I don't know. I don't know what his plan is for timing a quick draw with a watch that that might not have a second hand, but even one that does, it's just, it's all very strange. Uh, but the German says, "No, no stopwatch. Uh, we're going to we're going to play for keeps." So um, at this time, Lucky breaks out of his cell. And then the German and Ned face off, and Hefe gives Ned this giant gun that Ned can hardly pick up. Um, and <laughs> just the physical like it's comedy. weighing down his hip. It's so good. Uh, and so they face off, and but but uh, Ned wins the wins the draw, the quick draw, and he he kills the German. And then Lucky um, gets the drop on El Guapo, and the three amigos and Carmen all escape. And then El Guapo and his men are hot on their heels, and. Um, if you think that the uh, that the stormtroopers in Star Wars are bad shots, these <laughs> these guys are really. I mean, they're like they're like ten yards away from the amigos as they're riding out of of the these big doors, and the only thing they shoot are the doors and not the people that are right in front of them. The amigos come across the Germans' plane, and uh, and Ned says that um, in one of his movies, uh, his stuntman flew one just like this. But he kind of had had watched him, so so now Ned um, flies the plane, and they make their escape. Ned's flying, Carmen's in the seat behind him, and Dusty and Lucky are hanging onto the wings like a like an air show. It's so good, and they're all screaming, and uh, it's fantastic. Um, so they get back to the uh, to the village, and they and the the, the villagers say, "What are we going to do?" And Carmen says, "We have to we have to face El Guapo." And then Lucky tells them this, in a way. All of us has an El Guapo to face. For some, shyness might be their El Guapo. 
For others, a lack of education might be their El Guapo. For us, El Guapo is a big dangerous man who wants to kill us. But as sure as my name is Lucky Day, the people of Santo Poco can conquer their own personal El Guapo, who also happens to be the actual El Guapo. And, uh, and then Dusty says, what is it that you really do well? Um, and they say, uh, we can sew. And then Dusty says, you can, there you go, you can sew. If only we'd known about this sooner. But then Lucky reminds them of a film they made called Amigos, Amigos, Amigos. It's a crazy <laughs> plan, but it's their only hope. So all the women start to sew and the men start digging ditches and making traps. Um, and then uh, El Guapo and his men show up. And the town looks empty, and El Guapo starts calling for, for the amigos. And then the amigos start uh, like popping out from behind walls and around corners and, and shooting at the, at, the, at the bandidos. And the men get confused, and they abandon El Guapo. Jefe gets shot, and so uh, El Guapo is the only one left. And then finally he gets shot, and he falls to the ground. And uh, the three amigos come out to see him, and then the rest of the villagers, all dressed as amigos and carrying guns, come out. I'm wondering where all of these guns came from. Because <laughs> if they had a bunch of guns, <laughs> like you don't have to be dressed as an amigo to, to fire the a village. gun. No, every single person in the village has a six shooter. The little kid, Pablo, he has a six shooter. The old woman, she has, everyone has a six shooter that are loaded with bullets. I, I, I don't understand, but I don't understand why the horses sing. I don't know why the tortoise says goodnight, Ned. Uh, I don't know why the singing bush exists. Or the or the invisible swordsman, but uh, it's all they, it's all part of the film. They could have made an excuse for this if like the plane had had all the guns in it, and they like from the, oh, the run through the plane back to town. Maybe it's one of the cuts. Maybe, but that's, okay. That's, that's, the, that's the only thing that makes any sense. Okay, so uh, El Guapo starts laughing because he says it was a good trick, and then he shoots Lucky in the foot, and then he dies. Uh, and now it's time for the amigos to say goodbye. Dusty gives his his watch to little Pablo, and then Dusty and Lucky get these kind of small, uh, like chaste kisses from a couple of women, and Lucky tells Carmen he will come back one day. <laughs> then she says, "Why?" That's so good. <laughs> and he's like, "Well, uh, uh, I thought maybe you and and she's like, oh, oh." <laughs> um, and then this other woman comes and she gives Ned the, a pretty serious kiss, and Lucky, Dusty and Lucky are like kind of uncomfortable and kind of jealous at this at this uh much more um adult kiss that ned gets uh and then carmen's father uh offers the amigos all the money that they have and ned is about to take it but then they quote themselves from from their movie and uh and he says our reward is that justice has been done and then they and then they and then they say wherever there is injustice you will find us and ned says wherever there is suffering we'll be there and Dusty says, wherever liberty is threatened, you will find. And then they all say together, the three amigos. And then they ride off into the sunset. And that's the end of the movie. What a strange, strange movie. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. When you when you say it, like, you know, when you actually just say what the movie is, it's really weird. <laughs> it's a lot of strange stuff. It's like, I, I said this is like the most filmic of the SNL ones, but. It really is also a bunch of SNL kind of sketches. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like when you get to the uh, the singing or the invisible sword and the singing bush, it's like, I don't know what's happened. You killed <laughs> the invisible it's sword. Funny. It is very funny, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of the sense. The part for me where it goes off the rails is when they sing that night. Like, Yeah, that was yes. pretty weird. And the horses, when the horses start singing, 
it's like, what in the world has happened to this movie? It's so strange. Uh, but it's so awesome. And the talking turtle and um, it's just, it's, it's just something, something else really. Well, and those moments, it's like they go out into the desert and suddenly they're having weird hallucinations yeah. <laughs> because up to that point, the film hasn't been that absurd no. and surreal. Um, and, and they go out in the desert and they get heat stroke, I guess. <laughs> suddenly their horses are singing to them and they know about a singing bush and, and there is really an invisible swordsman who makes a hilarious imprint in the sand. <laughs> and when Martin Short picks up his hand and lets go, and you see this little, it's perfect. the hand dropping back it's down. So perfect. It's so dead. And there's even a sword, like there's the, the outline of the of the body, and then there's the sword next to the hand. Oh man. <clears throat> but that, that tone is not what the movie had mm-hmm. had before, and yet somehow it all yeah. works. It yeah, it, it yeah, it's funny and and enjoyable. like once it's gone, it's um, gone. It's just it's only that part when yeah. they're when they're in, in the, the desert. desert. Uh, I'm gonna just call it a heat stroke hallucination. Yeah, okay. I guess. <laughs> um, I wonder, like, how do they well, get down there? You know, they're in their underwear, and then they like, is that the only? Those are the only clothes that they have. So, did they the go costumes? Yeah. I mean, did they fly on a plane to somewhere and then have to get on a bus? I, I want, I want to know uh, the details. True, it did do a, uh, it did the the King Kong cut, um, where there's, I'm yeah, sure there's like three before, sailors left the and they King get Kong. on the boat. Yeah, yeah. There's no King Kong. All of the sailors on the ship die on the island on Monster Island, Skull Island, where all these monsters, except for like three of them, who managed to gas King Kong with these grenades, and he's on the shoreline. And then the next cut is King Kong in the boat. And when they were filming it. Someone asked, how did these few survivors get King Kong chained down, on, well, onto the boat and then chained down? And the director said, we're just going to do a cut. No one will ever ask that question. <laughs> and it's now called the, the King, King Kong, Kong cut, cut when you just want to move ahead in the story yeah. to the next interesting thing and not explain the well, transition. Well, that's definitely that. You know, that's this. They, they get their, their costumes and now they're in Mexico. It's sort <laughs> of um, not quite the same thing, but a similar thing in um, Raiders of the Lost Ark a couple times. Where, like, during one of the stunts, there's, like, a big piston that tips over a truck. Like, it looks like a telephone pole sticking out of the bottom of the truck. And it's supposed to retract, so you can't see it. And it doesn't retract. But, like, Steven Spielberg says, okay, like, we're done. Stunt guy comes up and he says, well, the piston didn't retract. And Steven Spielberg says, like, no, if they notice that, then we have not done our job well enough to like get them to pay attention to what's going on in the movie when a truck is tipping over and exploding and they're supposed to be like a character inside. Like if they're <laughs> noticing the piston, then they deserve to notice the piston because we haven't done our job well enough. And then there's, then there's like another scene where one of the characters is sitting in the back of a car. It's not even them. There's a scarecrow of one of the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, dummy. It's, like it's completely just a dummy, but you know that that character's in the back of the car, and you're just paying so much attention to what's in the front of the car that, mm. like, you can watch it a dozen times and not even think about it. And then when you look at it, you're like, "Oh yeah, my gosh, there is a scarecrow <laughs> dressed as a character in that." This is in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the, the actor wasn't on set, and they needed to do the pickup shots, and so like, well, stick a dummy back there. And so they stick wow. a dummy back there dressed as the character. And, like, unless you're really looking for it, you'll never think about it. Mm. Awesome. Um, 
But back to <laughs> Three Amigos. Um, and I mean, we mentioned that it gets really absurd and surreal, but I kind of also enjoy that it opens up with this kind of fun mocking of the studio mm-hmm. system of the the silent era of Hollywood and um, just the, the way the studio bosses and, the, you know, it's like you're living in our, on, on our land, in our, <laughs> in our houses, with our cars, and we own you basically. And if you're going to refuse what we do, you don't get any of that. And that's not an inaccurate right. portrayal of the studio system uh, that existed um, in, in that period of Hollywood. And it's, it's kind of um, just a, a blink and you missed it satire of the way movies used to, used to be made. Um, and I don't think it's the most memorable part of this, but I just kind of enjoyed that there's this other world that we visit briefly at the beginning. In studios before it moves on to, Yeah. Then it moves on to doing a parody of, um, you know, old West cowboy films and that yeah. kind of stuff. Okay, you guys should talk about the characters. <laughs> okay, can you distinguish these three characters? <laughs> like, by no, I think you can. Um, uh, so Ned is kind of the kid, right? right? That's the kid. The, you know, he, he was the child but star. But somehow he also brings in like a lot of experience in like the different, yeah, different movies. Yeah, he's the one that actually can do his stunts and it flies. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, I, I know this from a movie I was in because I was involved and the other guys never bring up stuff like that. Yeah. I get the impression that net that, uh, lucky and dusty were together before, before Ned joined them to be mm-hmm. the three amigos and that they had some kind of a minstrel show and yeah, like, like a two man act. Yeah. Like, a like, like white Christmas or, um, or singing in the rain. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Ned joined them, but Ned has been made more films because he was a, he was a child star and he made Little Neddy Goes to War and I don't know what else. Um, what was it there like Neddy Get Your Gun? Yes, Neddy Get Your Gun. That's what it was. <laughs> Neddy Get Your Gun. And then uh, so so he has more experience making films, but he's also he's the kid. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, you know, nervous when they're out camping. Um, Lucky's the leader. And yeah, he's, he's like been working the longest. Yeah. And Dusty is just like insane. <laughs> he's, he's like, I don't know what to think about. I guess Dusty, Dusty plays music. So he would have been the musical part of the show that, that yeah. he and Lucky had. He was, Dusty um, is comic relief oh, the in the comedy. In, in, <laughs> yes. In Sound of Music, you had... Uh, what were the characters' names? Uh, the Von Trapps? No, not Sound of Music. Sorry, oh. Singing in the Rain. Yeah, Singing Cosmo in the rain. and... Uh, uh, yeah, he's the Cosmo. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's like you have Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and Martin Short, and Chevy Chase is somehow like the funny one of the three. <laughs> <laughs> but he, I mean, he gets all these... Well, these crazy lines, you know, like, it, it, do you have anything besides Mexican food or, um, <laughs> he does the, the bit with the bottle. Yeah. The water bottle. Yes. Lip balm. And like, he's the most clueless of them all. There's a, there's a scene where they get off their horses and he does this thing and he just turns himself backwards onto his horse. And then he just like <laughs> throws his hands up in the air. Cause he's, he's sitting backwards on his horse. Um, so he's like the dumb one. Um, and, yeah, and and Lucky Day's the de facto leaderish yeah. kind of one. Well, he's the one that he's um, the one that's the voice with Flugelman. Yeah, yeah he and, he's and he the goes representative the uniforms. Yeah, he's always the leader, yes. except 
when they're gonna go back. And then Ned is the one who says, you know, we could be we could be the 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 three amigos for reals here. Um, which is interesting that it's not Lucky. Although Lucky is then the second one to to do it, and it's uh Dusty following Lucky, which I I think makes sense given what we think yeah. about their history. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I don't know, like all of this fits really well. This is not like there's not a lot of evidence for this, but it just fits right. I think there's enough that I, I don't think we're like pulling it out of. But I mean, like, there, it, it's not like no, it's but it's not like there's a novelization with a bunch no, of extra. It's not white. This isn't where this, we get a flashback to the no, war no, when no, they no. were together, yeah, and guys, there was a novelization. There was. It's mentioned. <laughs> I saw it. Hold on. <laughs> I haven't read it. So if, if these kinds of details are in there, then it just means that they've made an airtight, you know, uh, world for right. the three amigos to live in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, oh, no, no. Yeah. Three amigos novelization of the hit comedy movie based on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, it was written by Leonore Fleischer. Okay. So thank you. We'll, there is one five star review on Amazon for this novel. <laughs> We will uh, tap that in for some information on the oh, Three Amigos Expanded Universe. <laughs> Hold on, guys. If you were going to guess, uh, in the Amazon section for customers who bought this <laughs> item, there's only one item listed. What do you What do you think? Is it the movie The Three Amigos? Nope. <laughs> it's another novelization of a film. Big Trouble in oh. China. It is the novelization of Lethal Weapon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's not what I expected. Holy cow! They are asking uh, on the on the back market, you you know, where you can from other settlers, you can buy the used mm-hmm. or the new. They're asking for new versions of this novels. They're asking for one hundred fifty five dollars wow. for the it's three amigos. For the three oh, amigos wow. for the novelization or used for eleven dollars. Okay, well, a collector's so I item. That, that there's a collector that really wants the mint condition of the novelization of Three Amigos out there. Wow. Um, Okay, so what would you guys say are, like, the character attributes of the guys? Because, Joseph, you said, you know, there's not a lot to distinguish them, but we've come up with, like, a little bit. So well, I think, well, I I think, think we can a- distinguish them. Yeah, I, I, think, I think there's evidence for that. Why, why does Ned want to go back? Let's dig into that specific decision, because, Todd, you pointed that out as, like, yeah. a, a crucial point, and oh, it's, it's kind it's- of weird that he's not the leader, he's the young one, so... Why Ned and why did they listen to him? Because he's not cynical and jaded. He's he still has some idealism about him, and the other two are a little more broken down at this point. I think so. Uh, that that still glimmer of boyish idealism says there's the right thing to be done. Whereas Lucky and Dusty are kind of like, well, every man for himself. But wasn't Ned change? It's an interesting. Was it, wasn't Ned the one that said, "Ask for the money now"? Yes, and Ned is also the one at the very beginning. Dust uh, Lucky is the one who says, "You know that'll be the day," and uh, we're you know we want more money, and uh, and Ned is the one who says, "I'm just happy working for free," um, which uh, seems like in like a reversal, right? Like, I'm happy working for free. Now's the time to ask him for the money. We have to do this because it's right. Yeah, like those are three very different. Points and the characters in this film are dynamic. They change over time. I think probably uh, Dusty is the one that changes the least, but but yeah. probably because he's the most clueless. 
Mm-hmm. But I think Ned changes, yeah, he, and I think Lucky drive. changes. Well, okay. Let's. I, I'm still working out what Andrew just said about Ned and these different motivations that we hear. I'm happy to work for free versus get the money now versus we have the chance to be the real three amigos. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it is that makes I, him I, change. I, I'm, I'm trying to see the evolution that you guys are identifying. Cause the, I'm happy to work for three free could still be kind of the naive idealism. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And he, he's happy to be part of the big stars. And maybe he thinks that being part of the three amigos won't drag him down. If he's putting on a good face at the studio. He's but the one that not, when they when they realize I'm that they're real bullets the and they're all crying, and he says, <laughs> he says, oh, he says, well, well, now we're not going to get paid. <laughs> like the, the yeah, these so, guys are going like, to kill us, and he's like, well, we're not going to get paid. That's for sure. So he does seem focused on the money, but then he also has two examples where he's like, no, it's not about the money. Yeah. Hmm. It's weird. So, but initially his, his motivation is I just want to make movies. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so early Ned, I just want to make movies. Middle then Ned. They lose, then they lose the contract. And now he's like, now okay, I the want system money. sucks. I'm, I, and he's trying out being cynical and jaded. Right. Now and I want so money. He's I've been like, in a situation before. Shift. Let's take the money. Well, one, you know, one thing's for sure. We're not going to get paid. Mm-hmm. So he's trying out being cynical and jaded. Yeah, and we do get we do get uh, idealistic Ned early, uh, like innocent idealistic Ned early when they're talking about what they're going to do with the money, and he says he's going to you know buy the like build the orphanage. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's another great <laughs> the orphanage, right? Where we see the difference between Ned and the other two. Um, mm-hmm. But then it's like mm-hmm. a like a switch is flipped. <laughs> it keeps bouncing back and forth. <laughs> Now, it is entirely possible that being, I mean, a Lorne Michaels production, coming out of sketch comedy, some of this is, what's the funniest thing for a character to say right now? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and also, we're not going to be too concerned about which character is the one yeah, saying it. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, they, like, like in the desert, they around. almost switched. They almost switched who, I think, again, he didn't specifically say which gag it was, but it seems like they almost switched who did the water gag, uh, just because they needed someone to do the water gag, and Chevy Jace at first said my character wouldn't do that yeah but i feel like that that fits chevy chase's character throughout it it really does seem like a dusty joke yeah lucky is the brains of the thing he's the one who says mount up and then they don't know what it means and he says get on your horses it's like living with six-year-olds um like lucky lucky is the brains of the of the outfit dusty is really just comic relief and he's totally clueless and, and, and the musician. And he's the musician, because we have to have a musician. It's <laughs> when he does that guitar, that Spanish guitar, and then he starts singing. It's like, what in the world is he doing? It's so good. Um, yeah, and then Ned. Ned is interesting. I want to know what, like, what was it that made him decide to, you know, load, load his gun with real bullets and draw the line in the sand? What is it that that makes him change? I don't think that's there's a, tough a single thing in the. I don't think there's a single thing in the text that points us to him making that change. 
they just they are, might be in the novel. They <laughs> it might be where in the novel. There's a really long internal monologue. <laughs> he, he takes a long look at himself in the mirror. And he's like, "I'm tired no. of playing the hero. I need to be the hero." Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, um, it does. I think it does fit with him being the youngest and sort of idealistic, and and realizing, you know, like why not, right? Like it's young mm-hmm. people who often yeah. don't know enough to realize that what they're doing is crazy. Well, yeah, aren't nearly as jaded and yeah. you know, uh, and, and still want to build orphanages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is self, you know. The the self preservation has really kicked in, and we know that he's two. good. And, like we know that he's good hearted. Because of that scene when mm-hmm. they're in the bed and he says, I want to build an orphanage. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's like. He's the one with sincerity. Yeah. It's, in his it's heart. this good heart that's combined with uh, idealism and probably a, um, what is that? Like invincibility complex that young kids have. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the it it can't happen mortality. to me. Right. I mean, when the, when the guys are all crying about being shot. <clears throat> and he says, I've been shot already. And Ned's thought is not, we're going to die. It's, well, we're certainly it's, not going to get paid. Yeah, because dying isn't part of his his concept. Right. Because he's young. And dumb. As young people are. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are all dumb people yeah. in this film. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I think <laughs> there's like barely enough to hang... <laughs> To hang our hat on with Ned, and and I think like I, they're real characters. I feel like they're real characters, and that they um, they're probably not the the deepest characters in the world, but they do change yeah. over the course of the film, and there's some dynamism to them, um, which is nice. Yeah, I don't think there's too many parts where they really wrote something for one character and it ended up being performed by another. I think there was maybe more threat of that than actual incorporation. Yeah, I didn't see a director I mean, threatening. Without reading the script, we can't know. But, but yeah. that line totally belongs to Dusty. Yeah, and and so it's hard for me to think of something and be like, oh, well, Ned said this, but they probably wrote it for Lucky, and it just worked better for Ned. Like, if that's the case, then I think they did it because it actually worked better for Ned. Yeah. You know, so they, they had some sort of fidelity to these characters in mind. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm thinking when they're in the bar and, uh, and he says, um, we'll have a beer. And he says, we don't have no beer, just tequila. And he says, what's tequila? It's like beer. And then <laughs> Dusty says, is it fattening? And the guy goes, fattening? <laughs> 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 but that's Dusty's line, right? Yeah. Like, I don't see yeah. luck. I don't see Lucky saying, is it fattening? And I don't see Ned asking if it's fattening. But I, mm-hmm. but I could see Lucky you saying can? that. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I well, I feel like there's a greater chance that that Lucky and Dusty could switch out Lucky lines, Ned. but yeah. but Ned yes. seems maybe the most um, singular, defined. Yeah, you yeah. can't trade uh-huh. out his lines as well. So is Ned the real protagonist mm-hmm. of this film? I think he's the he, one that we see the greatest he might be. change in. Mm-hmm. And he has to like he has to go through with a duel at the end. Is he like out yeah, of the three I, amigos? Does anyone else shoot a guy? Well, they shoot a lot yeah, of people at the end. At the end. Okay. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of popping up, like like uh, whack a moles at the end and just firing. Um, but, but yeah, Dusty does or uh, Ned has the has the one on one with with a real you know, gun. 
You know, he really yes. has to evolve from childhood into <laughs> adulthood. It, a, a real gun with a lot of back kick. Throws <laughs> <laughs> him back like okay. 40 feet. And he runs into a horse and then he throws it up and, and Lucky catches it. It's such a great, such a great sequence. Um, oh, I was going to say, when at the very end, when they give them the money, um, he says, this is all we have. And then it looks like he's going to give it to Lucky. And Ned says, I'll take that. <laughs> and then he gives and it then, back. And then he has that kind of moment of realization. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up giving it back. But even even at the end, he's still uh, like he's still fighting that urge to just take the money and run. Yeah, it, it's like he has conflicting impulses. Yeah. And one is be greedy, take the money. And the other is sincerity and altruism. Do you think like except when he, when he's like, I'll that take he said that. that he wanted the money to build an orphanage? Yeah. So when he's like, I'll take that. <laughs> do you think he's thinking I can finally build that orphanage and help some people? <laughs> And then he looks back. He's like, wait, I can help people right here. Probably. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I think that would fit for you. Uh, now I, I kind of want to read this. Gra- novel. <laughs> see, <laughs> see if there's any internal. Interlibrary loan. <laughs> yes. Uh, up, look it up on World well, So la- in our last episode, we were talking about Brandon Sanderson seeming to fit better in novels than in the graphic novel, like just his style. And I just want to try and understand how you translate some of the skit <laughs> comedy, uh, sketch comedy that, you know, like how does the invisible swordsman translate uh-huh. into novel or, form? or the amigo salute? Yeah. Like, is this a funny <laughs> novel or like, did he take it pretty seriously? Because we know that the <laughs> amigo I, salute does not translate into audio, like into podcasting. You just can't right. do it. There, we may have tried. You'll never hear it, <laughs> listeners. We may have tried. Oh man! So, uh, is there? So we've talked we about Ned. Is there it? anything about any of the other characters that you guys need to get off your chest? I mean, I just want to say, there's part of me. I mean, I lived in Mexico for a couple of years. Todd, you married a Mexican. You visited Mexico several times. This plays with a lot of problematic Mexican yeah. stereotypes, but it. It's also so broad in everything that it's doing that I don't know what to make of it at all. Like the bandito is a problematic Mexican stereotype, but the version that we get with El Guapo in this is just its so absurd in so many yeah. other ways than just leaning into that stereotype that maybe they dodge that particular issue. It's somehow so inauthentic as a stereotype that it it's like, okay, well. They're making fun of the idea of it and not any actual right like history of it. Like know. like they're making fun mm-hmm. of the stereotype by like just double dipping it. But also adding in other stereotypes. So he's a bit of a fop in some of his, mm-hmm. his you know, he's his, like obsessed with photography, the, the way he acts and other things. So there's other <laughs> stereotypes that get layered. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I I'm not losing any sleep over over oh that. yeah yeah oh, I, I think it's interesting that they they simultaneously managed to lean into it but also avoid the issues of some of the, the stereotypes that they're, i'm they're certain using. that there are people who would be yeah totally offended by this but I, I, I'm, I, I'm also certain that like a straight western a non-comedy western is probably more problematic oh yeah and it's portrayal than this is yeah my wife thinks this mm-hmm. movie is hilarious she she just dies. She thinks it's really funny. Yeah. yeah, I am not trying to say that everyone should be offended by this. I just wanted to think about that yeah. for a second. 
Well, and I, I, I think, yeah, it's it's not a bad thought to have, but it, it, I, like I said, I just I can't get myself worked up over <laughs> stereo. Well, and and it's not like there's a ton of jokes at the expense of the banditos or the townspeople. Yeah, I know. Well, like Mexico is is not treated as a funny thing. Like it's kind of the 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 straight man part of this film. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the white men are morons. <laughs> um, you also are throwing in, uh, you know, the German other as a weird uh, antagonist at the same time as you have the bandito, uh, you know, villain. So there's there's quite a lot going on. And I think just out of that kind of potpourri of broad, para, you know, parody, nothing is really that offensive. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, <clears throat> I mean, they're just, they're having fun with with all of it. And so mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think, I, I think what you said earlier about um, if this were like a straight Western, then. And it really was the three white men coming in and saving the day through their right. competence. Yeah. That's a, that's a different kind of issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. That's a good one. All right. Todd, you said this is endlessly quotable. Give us a couple quotes before we we we, we write off. Well, do you have anything besides Mexican food? Is great. It's a sweater. Is a great one. It looks like we're just gonna have to use our brains. Uh, oh, great! Real bullets. I we when I'm with my siblings, bullet. we say that all the time. Oh, great! Anytime anybody says, "Oh, great," then you say, "Real, real bullets." bullets. <laughs> These guys. The plethora. Plethora. Here's my funny story about plethora. So when I was growing up, uh, one of my uh, really good friends, um, their mom was from Spain. And so I would go over to their house and they, all these kids would be talking to their mom in Spanish. And I thought it was so cool. I didn't understand anything that they were saying. I didn't speak Spanish at the time. Um, and so I was watching the three amigos with my friend and we get to the scene where he says plethora and I didn't know what plethora was. And my friend didn't know what plethora was. And we both just assumed it was a Spanish word. And so he's like, hey, mom, what does plethora mean? And she's like, I have no idea. And we're like, yeah, it's a Spanish word. It's plethora. And she's like, I really don't think that's a Spanish word. And we're like, well, it's not an English word. It has to be a Spanish word. And she's like, no, I really don't think that's a a Spanish word. Um, And I don't know when it was that I realized that it was not a Spanish word, but it was not that day. It was like, you know. (laughs) <laughs> months or years later that I realized that plethora is actually an English word, not a Spanish word. Um, but that was funny. Uh, so yeah, plethora pinatas. Um, can I have your watch when you are dead? That's a great line. I, even I, not knowing it was from this, I think I've adopted sometimes to get some attention. The call. Oh, oh yeah. All that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, look up here. Look up here. Look up here. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's a um, it's a fun movie. There, I will say oh, that I, I having do. grown up with the TV version, um, <laughs> there are some <laughs> there's some edits. Yeah, they did. They definitely made some edits uh, in language. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just gonna say, I think it's also worth noting though that there are quite a few different kinds of comedy mm-hmm. in this film, and I think they mix it up really well from the absurdity of an invisible swordsman. <laughs> falling down and you just see the body imprint you're like this so there's the, and then there's tons of physical comedy the dancing of guys, and the, the dancing and uh martin short getting stuck in the pinata in the sky <laughs> and then for the way he falls <laughs> the body hits the table um so there's really broad physical comedy but then like that telegram 
the editing oh, of the yeah. telegram is just it's great verbal comedy mm-hmm. that happens as you like I'll give you the 10 peso version <laughs> and you know he starts making the edits and, and you see how this is going to happen like this miscommunication that is now imminent, infamous um, infamous that's another one we we quote a lot infamous means more some of infamous. it some of it overall seems almost like a Marx Brothers film mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. pace and rhythm of of the comedy yeah it feels like it could be a Marx Brothers sort of farce. I think if you told that to Steve Martin, he would say, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I accept. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can, I, I can, right. I can and, actually almost picture, like, Ned as Harpo and Dusty as Chico and Groucho as, as yeah, Lucky Day. I can see that. <laughs> like, that balance yeah. is, is almost right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. What's the? I like it. Uh, All right. Oh, who are the the other the the other three guys? The three, the three stooges. stooges. Yes, there's a there's a little bit of three stooges in this also. I cannot believe that I mm-hmm. couldn't just. I've been trying to stooges. map on uh, Mickey, Goofy, and Donald onto them as well. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah a, a classic trio. Um, the mm-hmm. the guys from Bone. If it was the guys from mm-hmm. Bone, would Ned be Bone? Would he would he be Phone Bone? He'd have to be because he's not. I he because you. I mean, so with Mickey Donald and Goofy, you get like the leader that's kind of the straight man and the really silly one, and the one that is a little more emotionally volatile. Yes, right on the side. And in Bone, you get Phone Bone, who's the leader, and, or Bone is the leader, and then there's uh, Phony Bone and Smiley. Phony Bone and Smiley Bone. Yes, yeah, smi- smi- Smiley is the go- is the goofy one, and then Phony Bone is the is the Donald Duck one. Uh-huh. I don't think it quite maps on that perfectly. Yeah. On these. I've, I was trying when we were talking about what di- what distinguishes them, and I couldn't quite yeah. get it. Other than they all got quite a bit of goofy <laughs> in in their personalities. Yeah, and uh, and Lucky is uh, has a, a the dash of Mickey mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, but nobody's angry in the Three Amigos, so there's no Donald. Yeah. All right. Uh, Any final thoughts? Mm -mm. Okay. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all of the other great Dueling Genre shows, go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to go check out episode number 166, when we talked about Cool Runnings, or episode number 122, when we talked about Brewster's Millions. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com we're also on twitter you can follow at protagonist pod at todd k mac at jay dorowski and our producer andrew is at disminute and our facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast we have really good conversations there with our listeners and would love for you to say hello anytime if you would like to support the show financially you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist thank you again for listening and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story so long (laughs) glad i spotted that i i must have like not like clicked hard enough when i I was just stalling until you noticed, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh man, it's a shame that we lost all of that. Okay. Too bad. Too bad. Which one am I? Lucky day. Lucky day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Lucky Day. And I'm Dusty Bottoms. And I'm Ned Needlelander. And together we are the three of the, the three, three amigos. The three amigos. All right, let's practice that one more time. Together we are the, the three, three amigos. I'll line it up. Okay, because okay. that was bad. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll more, get it as close as I one can. One more from the top, though. 